0: How wonderful to be together this morning God's people in this place, this place we call Three Crosses, Neighborhood Church. I'm so excited to share with you this morning. So I'd invite you to open your Three Crosses app. If you haven't done so, you can find your outline there or pull out your outline if you'd like and find your way to Philippians chapter 1 where we're going to settle in this morning for some beautiful truth from God's word, Philippians chapter 1. You'll find that on page 1825 in that book rack Bible that's in front of you there. This is a special day, for the past several months I've been thinking about what I want to say to you as a church and what I'm thankful to God for in this church for the last 20 plus years. Whether you've been with us just for a few weeks or maybe today's your first day or maybe you've been with us all the way since back in 1996 when I became the senior pastor, whichever way uh, you have come, uh, I hope that today will be a real blessing But I've chosen this Sunday to be a Sunday where I pour out my heart and share a little bit about what I'm thankful to God for here at Three Crosses. Now, I brought my Kleenex, um, and just in case it gets a little emotional, I don't want you to interpret my tears as being uh, like I'm changing my mind. I'm not changing my mind, (laughs) (laughs) at least not yet. Anyway. I'm, I'm just uh, just going to be ready because this has been something that's been working in my heart for several months now. You maybe remember back in September when I stood before you and shared the news of my uh, stepping away from the senior pastor role, um, I had been asking the Lord for a scripture text to help me sort of… Uh, present that to you, and the Lord led me to Philippians 1, and it was in this passage that I read from back in September, uh, September 30th, and, but today I want to teach from it. I want to use this text to say some things to you and about you today. This is a message I believe that comes from the Holy Spirit because it's God's Word so we can trust it, and as a result of listening to what God's Word has to say today, I believe that... Uh, you're going to be better off. I believe that our lives are going to be touched today in a a powerful way. And by the way, for some of you that may find yourself down the road in another church somewhere or you moved out of the area, uh, this, what we're going to share this morning, I believe would be a really great grid to really evaluate whether... It's a place that you ought to be in because what Paul says here is some pretty powerful things about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So with that, let's read, beginning in verse 3 down to verse 8 of Philippians chapter 1. Hear my heart for you. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Well, you hear Paul's heart there. I wonder if you could pick out some of the themes that are there. Did you notice, first of all, there's some things about the Philippians, some things about them and the memories of them that Paul had come to mind. There's something about prayer in this passage and the power of prayer and the beauty of prayer. There's something about fellowship and what it means to be in partnership with God and his people. There's something very powerful about the gospel in this text because they were partners with the gospel. There's something very powerful about completing the work or God finishing what he starts. There's also something really exciting I see about a mutuality of ministry, not individuality, but mutuality of sharing our lives in this gospel work. And then there's something very beautiful about the affection that we share in Christ Jesus. Well, those those sort of form the outline of where we're going this morning, And, and I've asked our Our program team if I could have just a little extra time today, which they granted me, and I appreciate it, because there's a lot on my heart to share. If you're taking notes, I hope that you'll see, first of all, when I think about what I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you and all the memories. Paul writes in verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. And this is what I want to say to you too. I want to say I'm thankful to God for all of you. And when I say all of you, I mean all of you. (laughs) I mean all of you, including some that I just have to focus on for just a minute. You know, I have a physical family, and you don't see them a lot, um, but uh, my beautiful wife Carla and our three kids, they're adult children now, uh, Katie, Carrie, and Kenzie. And, And back in 1996, this is the first Sunday in January of 1996, where right over here on the side of the platform, we were standing, let's show that picture. This is where the uh, elders of the church surrounded me and my family, and there's my wife Carla and our kids. And you know, um, there's no way I could do this ministry without someone like Carla in my life. I know sometimes people will say, "Uh, gee, are you married, you know, like they wonder because they don't see my wife. A lot of pastors always have their wives around them and they're very upfront. My wife is a very behind-the-scenes person and you rarely see her. And so when people ask me that, when they say, you know, I've never met your wife. I've been here for 10 years, never met your wife. I say, well, you probably have, but you don't know it. Because she served in the children's area, or she served you at Cafe Four, or she served you at the women's ministry. Uh, She's a servant, she's always behind the scenes. She never wants the limelight. And if I brought her up here right now, we'd be in marriage counseling this next week because because she's just not that person. She's behind the scenes, she's an amazing servant. And there's no way I could do ministry without her. And she has blessed you through supporting me as a, as a very beautiful, powerful woman of God who has just rested in her gifting as a servant. And then I think of my kids. You know, here they are, little tiny kids, you know. Um, you can see they're a little nervous being in front of everybody as, as, uh, pastor, as uh, one of our elders, Will, was praying over us. But I think of them growing up you know I wasn't raised in a pastor kid's home pK's they call them um, i my kids are pKs I was not a pK so I didn't understand what that was all about but they understand what that's about they understand what it's like to have their dad always be sort of in the in the flow of big events and things going on and and how many times throughout the course of our family we planned our vacations around sermon series and around things that were happening in our church. Um, we planned our life schedules around what happened here. Other people's celebrations, other people's this, other people's that. And, and I just I, I just thank God for my kids because they grew up, I think, sort of normal, even though they're, they're, they're kids like everybody else that has to find their way in life but at several times in their adulthood I've set them aside and I've said, you know, hey, did you ever feel like an orphan in our home, an orphan to ministry or something? And they've always been so gracious to say, no, Dad, you know, we know you loved us, we know you cared for us, and I'm thankful for you because as a church you let my kids just be my kids. And for the first 10 years of the ministry when I was a senior pastor, they were very involved here and you just let our kids be our kids. You know, if they got in trouble, they got kicked out of youth group, that's just what happens. You know, they're just my kids <laughs> and you know, they, they were just treated like everybody else and I appreciated that. They all got involved, they all served, they all did wonderful things and two of the three are, are, are here this morning. Um, my third is still up in Oregon with our grandchild, which I've still not for, forgiven, but anyway... Um, I'm just joking. Anyway, they're all grown up. Here's a picture of them, they're grown up. This is when we were up on vacation this year and that's my son-in-law, Roman, and my little grandson, Jack, and my uh, daughter, Carrie, now is expecting her second, so another grandson, so I just may have to move to Oregon someday anyway. I'm just teasing, but uh, God has been so good. I I love our family. And then I think of my dear mother-in-law. You know, she's sitting back there with my family this morning, and you don't hear a lot about her much either, but I want to just kind of brag on her for a minute because she's a woman that has just been such a servant behind the scenes stuffing bulletins and doing things all these years with people that just, she got her own little work crew and worked so hard. She works in our senior adults every week, planning a whole meal and cooking a whole meal. For years she's done this. She's just a servant. She's a prayer warrior. She prays for you. Whenever I see her, she's telling me about people that she's been praying for and lives that are being changed. And and she's always concerned about me. And she says sometimes, Larry, you look a little tired, you know, And, and she just always has such a beautiful spirit about her Mom, I just love you so much, and I think of uh, my my late father-in-law who who came to know Christ just really on his deathbed. He had come down with cancer, and, and yet I was so grateful that he made that place in his heart for the Lord, and and we baptized him in his home before he went home to be with the Lord. And I think of my own parents who have been gone now. I, they were with me for four years of my senior pastorate. Uh, my mom, then she passed, and my dad for ten years total, and then he passed. But they used to sit right down here right right there where sitting this morning and and they would just love to come and they just love they would have been a member here if they could have they just lived across the bay but they were here so often I just think of the legacy I think of the amazing people in my life and it's hard to talk about them all I think of the eldership of our church I think of um I think of from the beginning of my tenure as senior pastor who have loved me, prayed for me, supported my vision, rallied around my heart's desires. They walked with me through hard times, lean times. When we didn't have answers, they leaned in, they prayed. They held me accountable. They forgave me when I messed up. They were patient with me. They wrestled with me. Even during this last season where for a couple of years we've been talking about this whole succession thing and, and we've laughed and cried together and we've agreed and disagreed, but in the end, always unified, I thank God for these men in my life and the men that have been before them that are no longer with us. I think of Fred Rinkert and Bruce Craig and Will Bloomer and Bill Doyle and men that, that you know, David in, in, in 1 Samuel, Second Samuel 23, David had his mighty men. and I think I've had mighty men too. I've had men that have stood next to me in the fight of the faith and and. These men that I've mentioned, I've preached their funerals, and every one of them have meant so much to me. And the men now that serve as our elders, I will be forever indebted to these men. And I hope you feel the same indebtedness, the sense that God placed godly people in this place to serve and to look out for the flock and to shepherd the flock. And when I talk about men, I just don't talk only about men because we've got godly women in our church, too. They're absolutely amazing who serve as shepherds to me. I think of like the Gene Youngs of our church and the, the, Bill, uh, the, the, um, the Beverly Bloomerts and I think of the Tracy Tylers and I think of people that are, are so, and I, I, you know, I, I said this morning, Lord, should I share names and, and I'm really conflicted right now because there's so many names I wanna share but I also know I'll leave out dozens and dozens of names of people who just fit that criteria, people that have made the difference, people who have stood in the gap I'm so grateful. I'm thankful for pastors and leaders who worked alongside of me all these years, from some who are with me from the very start. And you know who you are, those pastors and leaders who were here when on that picture, the Sunday of the first Sunday of two, uh, 1996, people that have stood alongside of me, who didn't follow me because I was always right but followed me because they knew what it meant to be submissive to leadership and they loved God and they loved each other and they loved you and these are people that I am highly grateful for. And then there's the people that just come into my heart. When Paul said, I thank God for all of you, I think every time I remember you in my prayers, I think of all of you. Every Sunday I look out, I see your faces, and I think of the amazing people that sit before me every week and the humility that I feel in my heart. Who am I to teach you? Who am I to bring the word of God, the precious eternal word of God? Who am I to do that for you? And I felt so humbled because you have come into my heart. You know who you are. Those of you that have come into my life in a personal way. You've prayed with me. You've knelt down on your knees to pray with me. You've shared a meal with me. You cried with me. You've loved me. I'll never stop thanking God for you. Think about people that make a difference in our lives and we should all have people like that in our lives. Anyway, um, you have been just so precious to me, all of you, and I thank God for you. Um, I think of people that I met here at our church out in the community and I could go on and on here. I think you're getting the point. I, I hope you're getting the point. I love you and I thank God for you. And I think of the touch that you've had on my life As a pastor you have ministered to me as a pastor so one thing I'm thankful for is you second thing I'm thankful for is prayer I'm thankful for prayer and the joy it brings to pray for you and to be prayed for by you Paul writes in verse 4 in all my prayers for all of you I always pray with joy I love that the people the moments that Paul had at Philippi reminded him of his constant prayer for them. I'm not sure I've prayed as much or as earnestly or effectively for you as the apostle Paul prayed for those at Philippi, but I sure know what he means. I know exactly what he means to find joy in praying for people that you love. And over the years of pastoring you, I've come to realize that the best and most important thing I can do for anyone is to pray for them. Prayer is not the last option. And what I've been learning in my own life, and I pass this along to you today, is that so often we say things like, well, I guess the only thing we can do now is pray, right? You ever hear that? You ever say that? I've done that. I've said that. But I've tried to turn that around in my life to say the most important thing I can do for you is to pray for you now. That's what God's put on my heart and to the best of my ability to keep praying for you. There are seasons in my role as senior pastor where I didn't pray nearly enough. My dependency on God needed to grow, and God grew my dependency by showing me the futility of doing anything without him. Jesus said in John 14, 14, he said, ask anything in my name and I will do it. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, apart from me you can do nothing. And I wish I can say I always believe this as much as I believe this today, but I believe this with all my heart. And that's why I keep a little prayer journal, and that's why I keep you close to my heart, because I don't want to forget. When I say to somebody, I'm going to pray for them, I want to remember. And then God puts you on my heart, and I pray for you, and I remember you. And that's not because I'm super spiritual, it's because I have a terrible memory. And I want to remember. And so I write it down and I open that journal every day and I see names, countless names of people with situations and, and, and things in their lives and I've, I've felt consumed to pray for you. If I lose that little journal, which I have at times, it drives me crazy. It's like my lifeline. It's my lifeline to God for you. Hundreds of you over the years have been the source of my personal joy because I have come to pray for you. you become so precious to me in my prayer. The bigger the problem, the deeper the prayer. The closer the relationship, the deeper the prayer. And I love what Paul says in this passage, verse 7. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you on my heart. I think that that came from Paul being active in praying for them. What I've learned about prayer is it's not always having a direct answer that what the prayer is about. It's about me aligning my heart to God and aligning my heart to the needs of people. That's what prayer has done for me. It's softened my heart. It's caused me to realize that while so often we just whisper quick little prayers and we move on with our lives, if we'll stay steadfast in praying for people, our hearts will begin to get burdened more and more for them. And here's something else I've learned about praying for people is that the more you pray for people, the dearer they become. I fall in love with the people I pray for. I fall in love with them. I mean, that's just absolutely the truth. And that's why it's good to pray for people who oppose us and maybe even hate us, because you can't hate people that you pray for consistently. And people that have been in opposition to me, I'm talking about people outside the church, primarily, people outside the church that have had it out for me or for our church. I just write them in my journal. I pray for them every day, and that just softens my heart, and I fall in love with them. And it just drives them crazy. I had no idea this would happen to me. And I think of the people that pray for me. I know many of you pray for me. A couple of years ago, I was down at the gym and, and Daryl walked up to me and Daryl said, hey, he goes, I've never met. I'm in your church every week. My wife, Bianca, and I, we just love it so much. I just want you to know, I just see you here at the gym. I just want you to know every day before I leave for work, my wife and I stop and we pray for you specifically. And it just hit me. I, because other people say stuff like that too. And I know it's true. I know some of you pray. And so when I'm in a season where there's despair or there's difficulty or trials or problems, I think to myself, and, and then I feel that lift. I feel that buoyancy of the spirit. I feel that hope, that, that ridge of pressure moving away. I know, I know people are praying for me. And I say, God, thank you for that. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I feel this anointing. And I know people are praying. Right where you're sitting, you're praying. You're saying, God, give him unction. Give him power. Give him strength. I know people pray for me, and I'm so grateful, and I hope hope you will pray for Danny the same way. Danny will need your prayers. But don't stop praying for me, too, please. (laughs) I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the memories. I'm thankful for prayer. Number three, I'm thankful for fellowship, that we belong to God and each other, verse 5. I love this. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel, I want to take a moment and talk about this word partnership. It comes from the Greek word translated here, uh, the Greek word koinonia. You've heard the word koinonia probably. It's a very uh, simple concept in the Greek language. It's, it's the idea of being in, in relationship with God, and in that moment we join in relationship with others. It's a vertical and horizontal uh, axiom. It's what happens when we come into connection with God, we immediately have connection with each other. In Acts chapter 2, we read of those who believed, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, Acts 2.42. John, in his letter, 1 John chapter 1, he writes, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And a few verses later, he continues, he said, but but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Fellowship is being in partnership with others in the life of God himself. Now there's a brand of Christianity out there that sees no cause or no need to be in fellowship with each other. It's only a vertical relationship with God. I talk to people all the time who think that it's okay just to have a relationship with God, but be disconnected to people who are in relationship with God. And that is not a biblical principle. That You won't find that anywhere in Scripture. And so I challenge the assumption that sometimes people just want a God and me relationship, a God and me uh, situation, but the Scriptures, the New Testament Scriptures, corroborate to say that if we say we have a God and me relationship, then I have a God and you and me relationship too. And that's something that I have to connect with. And it's not always easy. I mean, some people say, yeah, yeah, I've got that. I meet with my friend at Starbucks every other week and we pray together. That's not what the New Testament's talking about. It's talking about being in a place where there's movement, where there's mission, where there's concerted prayer, where there's a a sense of biblical authority in our lives, where there's accountability to scriptural principles, that there's a life-on-life exchange, there's honesty, integrity, all those things. And so often I meet people in the, in the community that, that have, they think they have a relationship with God, and they might, I can't judge them, but they've divorced or they've moved away from relationship with God's people. And I just want you to hear my heart. I'm grateful for the fellowship that we've experienced because we have connected with the New Testament concept of koinonia. I've loved being in fellowship with God and others here at Three Crosses. Fellowship emphasizes our common bond, our mutuality of relationships. It conveys equality, not hierarchy. Sure, I've been your senior pastor, but really at the end of the day, I'm just one of you. I'm just part of the body of Christ. Jesus is our head. We are his body. We are his family. And that tells me also that I have a physical family, but I have a spiritual family. And my spiritual family is so precious, as precious, really. I know it's different. But my spiritual family is as precious as my physical family to me. And that's what's so beautiful, and that can be your situation too. Some of us come from families that don't know Christ. It's so beautiful to have a physical family. But there's something even more beautiful when there's a spiritual family in our lives. And if they're one and the same, that's even better. Praise God for that. I love sharing with my family physically, uh, in my physical family. We read the Bible together. We pray together. That's a beautiful thing to experience But to do that with others in the body of Christ is beautiful too. I'm grateful that ours is a church that's never idolized its leaders. We're not a church of the superstars. The DNA of our church has been we are a bunch of normal people doing business as usual, serving a great and mighty king who can do the most amazing, incredible things if we'll just pray and seek his face and look at what God has done around this place. And then we celebrate it and we, jo- we find joy in it. And that's what fellowship is. It's coming together. Can you remember all the Sundays where we've just laughed together and, and shouted out praise for what God has been doing in our lives? I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for prayer. I'm thankful for fellowship. There's something else here I see. Verse 4, I'm thankful for the gospel and its central place in our ministry. Paul continues with a specific kind of participation he's talking about. Notice there in verse 5, he says, partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. If you ever find yourself attending another church or looking for one that you happen to be checking out or evaluating, if our church, Three Crosses, is modeling what the New Testament church should be about, you could simply ask the question, is there a clear gospel focus here? Is what we're doing trying to impact others for the pure gospel of Jesus Christ? Because that's what Paul's saying here about the church at Philippi. This church clearly presented the words and works of Jesus Christ. Everything from how one finds entrance into the life of God through placing faith in Jesus to following his example and being obedient to him and his commands the last thing that Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is what Jesus told his disciples to do. This is what we have aimed to do. Why? Because we are in love with the gospel. We are in love with the words of Jesus. That means we follow his commands. That means what he says goes. And when we say he, we mean all of scripture because Jesus is the living word of the written word. And so we follow all of God's word to the best of our ability by the power of the Holy Spirit. We seek to obey him in all that we do. And we don't always obey him, right? And thankfully, we can admit the fact that we don't always obey. And so there's confession and repentance and there's restoration. And it's beautiful to be a part of the body of Christ because none of us hang our heads because we're all broken and we're all sinners. But God has been so rich in His mercy to give us new life. And we love the gospel that tells us that we were dead, but we can be made alive through faith in Jesus. That's the gospel. Not by works, not by church attendance, but by faith in Jesus alone. And that message of the gospel transcends cultural barriers, transcends every roadblock in humanity, because it's the power of God unto salvation, Paul said in Romans chapter 1. We share the words of Jesus. But we not only share the words of Jesus, we share the works of Jesus. That's just as much a part of the gospel. And the works of Jesus, think about Jesus, he he freed the oppressed, he loved, he forgave, he gave acceptance to the marginalized of society. Without ever condoning sin, Jesus radically loved people. And so we love the works of the gospel too. 1 John 2, 6 says, Whomever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. I'm thinking about how our church loves the works of Jesus. Uh, you know, we... we uh, Last week we gave a little announcement about the fires in Chico and there was a group going up on Monday and could we supply some blankets and tarps and you guys, I walked up here at four o'clock last Sunday afternoon to bring my little couple of tarps and I walked into the lobby and literally just tears welled up in my eyes because this is what I saw. I saw tarps, hundreds and hundreds of tarps. I saw hundreds of sleeping bags. I saw hundreds of blankets. People all day long, Guillermo said the stream was so full. Every, every moment, people were just walking up, bringing these things. And I was so touched by that. I couldn't hardly stand myself. I was saying, Lord, your people are amazing. One little announcement, look how they poured out their love. And Guillermo needed more than one truck, so another guy volunteered a truck, and then they had another truck after that. They took a van. I don't even know how many vehicles went up there. They took a whole crowd of people. They went up to Chico. They served. They ministered. They did an amazing work up there, and, you know, they kept hearing from the people in the parking lots and people where they ministered. The people said, it's so amazing. It's the Christians who seem to be showing up to help us. That's what God does when we love the gospel few weeks ago we had our, our food pantry and I think of the dozens of volunteers that show up and serve at our food pantry and they, they, uh, they uh, hundreds and hundreds of meals and 144 families two weeks ago and I thought about all these people that can't make it to the end of the month because they don't have enough money to feed their families and we're enabling them through this beautiful food pantry ministry all these volunteers dozens and dozens of volunteers who show up on a smoke-filled Saturday and some with masks and some without masks and they just serve their hearts out for the needy in this community and then I was so blessed Thursday I come up here just to kind of touch base with how we're doing with our Thanksgiving meal for just those who need a place and we had families from our pantry. We had homeless people there. We had some people that just didn't have a place and a little Thanksgiving meal. And look at that spread. And it was full. There were 65 people that showed up. We had uh, almost that many volunteers showing up that morning, serving, working. These are just a few little glimpses. I, I kicked myself when I left because I didn't take pictures of the people actually sitting at the tables enjoying this sumptuous, amazing meal. And I thought, how beautiful this is. This is the work of the gospel, And we're not done. We're not even close to being done. And there's so much more that we could be doing and partnering with other ministries and other places. And whether it's orphan care or serving the homeless in our community or whatever we might be doing, it's the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus or I think of the thousands of people who in the couple weeks are going to be filing through these doors to watch a Christmas program because they've done it either for years or they've heard about it and they want to come see it. It's sort of a spectacular event but they're going to hear the precious gospel and some of those people are going to be prepared by the Holy Spirit that when they hear the beautiful words of the gospel they're going to say, that's me, I need Jesus and they're going to come to know Christ because people gave and they worked and they slugged through a whole season where they could have just hung out with their families and they just made made it possible so someone sitting right in the seat where you're sitting today is going to hear the gospel and they're going to go out of here with changed hearts and we may not even see them for a little while but someday we'll see them or they'll be seen somewhere else because what God starts he finishes which brings me to the next thing I'm thankful that God finishes what he starts verse 6 Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Brings me great comfort that God is more committed to bring people and ministries to maturity than we are. (laughs) And knowing that he's committed to doing this, there's no reason for me to question or wonder the value of investing resources to make these kinds of things happen. You know, one of the great things about being around for a few decades is seeing people's lives in a longer trajectory, seeing people who come in who are disinterested in the gospel, don't seem to have any care, concern. who go out, who come back, who go out, who come back, and then one day, boom, it clicks. I'm thinking of a young man named Ryan who, and I've got tons of stories, but time won't allow me, although I'm grateful for the time I have. (laughs) I'm thinking of Ryan who grew up in a, Christian home, there were Christian values in his home. He went to a Christian school right here in the area, Redwood Christian Schools. He went all the way through his senior year. He knew all the Bible verses, and then as soon as he graduated, he dumped his faith and pretty much walked into the world and just kept running after the world, chasing the wind. But his love for basketball brought him up to our church gym a couple of times a week. In the last few years, he started coming back to the church gym to play basketball, and I remember a few conversations. I would invite him to things. I'd ask him how he was doing in his faith, and usually the answers were pretty dismissive. And in fact, we were laughing the other day when he reminded me of the time he told me, well, actually, I'm exploring Buddhism, and I really don't care much about Christianity anymore. And I remember thinking as I went home, Lord, I'm just gonna keep praying for him because I know you're not finished. And the seeds that were planted are gonna one day grow. And then this last August, we're playing basketball, we're just warming up and Ryan walks up to me and he goes, hey, do you have any books on discipleship? I I really need to learn what it means to really follow Christ. I go, what? (laughs) And he tells me the story that he just wakes up one morning the week before. And it was like the clouds had parted and the Spirit of God was saying, what are you doing with your life? Get out of your bed of sin and start following me. And he's been on a course, the last two months, he's been following Christ with all his heart and devouring Scripture and learning the Word of God and obeying Scripture every day. And I look at his life and I go, God finishes what he starts and that's maybe some of us this morning. You know, and by the way, people that come through our doors and maybe they even come to know Christ, that seed is planted, they reach out, and then we don't see him for a while. We don't know what's really going on in their life. Listen, if the seed went in, if it was the true seed that goes in, and if God had prepared the heart, all we need to do is keep setting the table and keep bringing the word of God and keep sharing the love of Christ and keep... uh, expressing the gospel message and God is going to take care of all those people who are his he's going to draw them back in whether it's here or somewhere else you know we have countless people that come through our Christmas program or Easter or one of those things and they they pray they trust in Christ and and some of those maybe are not true seeds maybe some are like that seed that fell on rocky soil and it's just they're quick to respond but there's nothing there we don't know But I've had people challenge me sometimes, do you really, you know, does it really matter to you that people are trusting Christ and you don't know what's going on with their lives and say, look, that's not my department, that's God's department. And God's gonna take care of every person that comes to know who he is. I'm thankful that God finishes what he starts. I'm also thankful, number six, I'm thankful that we've been in this together, heart and soul. We've been in this together, heart and soul. I love where... Paul says this, you share in God's grace with me. Mutuality, not individuality. That's what ministry is really all about. It's not about Lone Ranger ministry, it's about doing things together. And I'm so thankful that we've been a place where so many have done things together. And we've thought about each other and we've thought about ministry needs. I think of the big initiatives we've undertaken during my tenure. I think of the hard work we've done in putting together great, student ministries, hiring staff. We have a big budget that goes to students, student ministers, uh, programming, all of that stuff because we believe in kids and all the crazy, goofy stuff that our youth guys feel like they've got to (laughs) buy to give our kids a fun experience. And, you know, we're behind it because we want kids to come and equate uh, the joy and the abundance of life in Christ with what they're experiencing. And so it's just, and it's not, you know, it's not smoke and mirrors. It's just simply saying, we want to invest. We want to put our money where our heart is. And that is in youth and the next generation. And As a pastor, it does my heart to see such amazing kids growing up and becoming responsible, serving in our areas of ministry. They're just so amazing. I think of a few years ago when we started into our connection space. We had this big goal to have a connection space out on the bricks. Remember that? And so we designed this building. It was great. And then as we just got ready to pull the trigger on all this, we started walking around our campus and we realized, wow, our kids ministry, we had dingy classrooms and it wasn't a secure place for kids. And we needed some fire suppression. And we kind of like started rethinking everything. And we decided, we said, look, before we pull the trigger on the big building out here, we need to take care of some in-house stuff. We need to give our kids a better place and so we put most of the money that we had stored up for that into all the other areas around our campus we invested in children we invested in families and it was a beautiful thing to see because we said god we don't know how it's going to work out and then our country hit this big recession you remember that and, and then we're, you know, like, can we start this building out here? We've done all this over here. We thought that was the right thing to do, but now we're down without money, and, and we've got this big, the last big thing to do, and, and the Holy Spirit just said, you know, my people are faithful. Just go ahead. Just do it. No big fundraising. No big pledges. Nothing. We just asked for help, and people just gave, and over time, that whole thing has been paid off. We carry no debt on this facility. God has been so good to us that this entire thing... And then here we are, we're in this auditorium remodel and we blow out our, you know, our our chiller or whatever that was, you know, and we've got, that's the $200,000 and all this stuff. And I, you know, anymore, the Holy Spirit's just saying, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Just let the need be known. God's people are faithful. God will get it done in his time. We don't have to sweat any of that, amen? And I'm so grateful to be in a church that we've just been in it together. I've never felt like, oh, this is all up to me. I look around, I go, look at all the people that are in it with me. And we're doing it together. It's amazing. Number seven, I'm thankful that Jesus Christ has given me a a sincere love for each other. Given us a sincere love for each other. You know, when I read these words, verse eight, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I think about how I feel about all of you too. Godly affection. You know, Paul shared this with the church at Philippi, and it's been replicated in churches ever since. I realize what we share together is as sincere a love and affection as what happened in the church at Philippi. Churches typically love their pastors, (laughs) not always. (laughs) I've I've been around other churches where churches didn't love their pastor or they came into a season where they didn't love their pastor. But typically speaking, churches love their pastors and pastors love their churches. It's just the way God made it to be. It's a beautiful love affair that is orchestrated by a God who knows the power of love to do amazing, inexplicable things. Our love for Jesus and our love for each other is what tells the world we belong to him. And may this always be a place where love, love flows. You have loved my family. You have loved me. I will be forever grateful. The love that I feel is so deep, so real, so true. And you've modeled it with such patience and kindness. You've given me trust Not blind trust, but a sincere trust that I've sought to maintain in the time I've been a part of this ministry as a senior pastor. And it's not my last message as a senior pastor, but it's the message I'm choosing to say to all of you how much I love you, how much I'm thankful to God for you how much I'm thankful to God for this place and how sincerely excited I am about a new generation, younger generation leader who is likely to be your senior pastor for as long or longer than me and to work under that leadership with support, passion, and love in my own heart knowing what I've received as a senior pastor. I want to give it back. I want to recognize that God has been in this place and it has been so beautiful you know um, I have these snapshots in my head of various times walking out of our church and I don't know if I can convey this the way it happens in my heart but typically and I'm thinking mostly of our big theatrical outreaches Christmas Easter or even our summer musicals and I'm usually usually not always but usually I'm the last one to leave I, you know, I hang out forever in the lobby, I talk to people, I go to my office, I connect a few things, and usually I'm one of the last people leaving. And as I walk down the steps, I'm thinking of like a Christmas, and maybe it's the last one, the last big one that we've had. And I'm walking down the steps, and I look out, and I see the crosses. The parking lot is empty and those beautiful crosses are just beaming across the sky and I think to myself, God, why have you been so good to me, this church, this place called Three Crosses? You blessed me with an amazing family, an amazing church family. You've brought scores of people under the sound of the gospel, and people have found Christ, and they've grown and they've gone all over the world taking the gospel with them. Lord, you've been so good. And as I walk to my car, I get in, and not with an audible voice, but I hear the Spirit of God say to me, hey Larry, it's just what I do and I'll keep doing it as long as my people look to me and trust me and follow me with all their hearts so three crosses it's been 81 years and there's been three senior pastors 81 years and counting what's God going to do in the next season bigger greater why? why? because it's what he does. Today, if you don't know Christ, today, I love you too. I love you too. Today, today, if, you, if you've never come to trust in Christ, I wanna invite you to come and trust in Christ right now. You know, this is a place where so many around you have come to trust in Christ. And today maybe is your turn to step over that line of faith and say, yes, I believe. And if you do, heaven rejoices because that's what this ministry is all about and will always be about. Let's go to the Lord. Lord, thank you for this place we call Three Crosses. Thank you for this amazing church. And I know we have a bias, Lord. Other people feel just exactly the same toward their churches. But it's here. It's us. And I look out, Lord, today, and I see people, I see their faces. Even way up in the balcony, I see their faces. And I'm just so grateful, Lord. I am truly blessed. And none of this would have happened if you had not first called me to yourself like you've called every one of us sitting here today that have come to trust in you. And Lord, if you brought someone today that needs a relationship with you, let them today trust and follow you. Let it be today, Thanksgiving weekend. Let the journey begin. And if that's you, my friend, wherever you are, just open your heart, trust in Christ right now. Just believe, believe that he died for you and rose again from the grave. And welcome him as your Lord and Savior. Lord, hear the prayers of your people, and as we worship you now, Lord, let it be sweet. Let it be sweet. Let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. O God, our Redeemer, and all God's people said, amen. Would you stand with me, and let's worship the Lord this morning.